team. Gets a block! It's unbelievable! What has happened? Guten Tag, sports fans. Hello, Sam. How are you? <laughs> I didn't think you were going to actually do it. I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, buddy. Mate, I thought I was just going to channel my uh, inner European there, mate. Uh, we've got some massive news coming out of Great Brexit today. I mean, Great Britain. <laughs> All over the place, huh? Big... See the news this morning, mate, with Ronaldo signing on with Man United. Mate, Massive. humongous news. Unbelievable mate, news. I, 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 very rare for me, arising before 8am on a, on a Saturday morning, but I woke up and the first thing I saw was some report of, you know, Ronaldo to, to United and I was very confused uh, because just yesterday we had the conversation about Ronaldo apparently going to City. Uh, so yeah. that made it impossible. Uproar that was going to cause. Well, you were very happy because you know, for reasons beyond anyone's you know knowledge, you're suddenly token a city. city you're, you're, you're you're an absolute token city. I'd like that you admit that you're a token bandwagon city supporter. Sure, um, mate. It's, it's I played with them as um, a FIFA team when I was at FIFA 11 and FIFA 12, and it's just sort of stuck with me since then. Yeah, so you were you were very quick to suggest that Ronaldo had chosen the better city team, which it appears that he has done. Yeah, the sorry, better, the better yeah. Manchester team. Sorry, the better Manchester team, which it appears he has done. Um, no, huge news. Uh, look, I think it was going to be a really bad situation if he went to City because it would have. I think that, that's the sort of thing that can tarnish a legacy when you you come out as a young player that's playing and you say yeah. you never you're always Manchester United and you're never going to go to City and would change his mind. But that's yeah. great news. Great yeah. news for the English Premier League and great news for Manchester United. Yeah, I'd say he got a couple of phone calls and yeah, a couple of uh, threatens. Make sure he was stayed uh, with the United. Stay true. Did you did you tell me that? Who did you tell me that he'd um, had some phone calls from? Uh, Rio Ferdinand was was the big one, I think. Yeah, but you wouldn't okay. be surprised if you know wouldn't be surprised if Fergie gave him a call and just said, "Come on, mate, what are you doing?" <laughs> oh, where are you going? Shot. Come on, mate. You Manchester is red. Come on, stay on the good side. Yeah. Stay on the good side, but but you know, as massive news as, as that is, what are some other some other bigger ones that have happened before as well, mate? What, anything else you can think of? Uh, oh, the easy ones: LeBron, LeBron, and to the Heat, the decision oh, in twenty ten. Cleveland, oh no, poor Cleveland, please. It was the most acceptable decision. He, he <laughs> came to a franchise and they did nothing to help him. He single handedly took him to the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That was pretty big, mate. Um, what, what about, about you? What do you got? Uh, more locally, mate. What about sort of just trying to think AFL wise? You had, you know, Juddy when he left when he left the trio of West Coast and you know came across to Carlton and, and tried to revamp that squad. Pressure and point. Had, uh, <laughs> the chicken wing. <laughs> Uh, and then you had uh, Buddy making the move to Sydney from Hawthorne, which was which was huge at the time, and he settled in nice and getting, getting a nice big payday there with the uh, the living allowance for Sydney. Eight to go, Buddy Watch. Eight to go, and eight to go on the Buddy Watch. Uh, and then get Big Gazza going up to Gold Coast and sort of carrying Gold Coast team for for the better part of, of a few years and trying to just blood through a lot of their young the long players. 
um, which was which was good. Yeah, I look at he goes up there and wins a Brownlow medal, which is yeah. To think back now, that's just ridiculous that he was able to go and do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, what, what, um, what else have you got, man? Um, I read about one uh, that was. I know nothing about other than what I read in the article about a guy called uh, Herschel Walker who played for the Minnesota Vikings um, or his trade to the Minnesota Vikings in the NFL in 1989. I, as I said, I know nothing about Walker, but this article was incredible. It was an 18-man trade. 18-man trade. That's a whole AFL team. 18-man trade across two sides, um, across two franchises. So just, that's, just two sides. Believe so. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, the, the, the big NFL one, though, um, is the Eli Manning and Philip Rivers trade at the draft in 04. So Manning gets drafted number one um, to the San Diego Chargers. Uh, and he has been saying in the lead up that he doesn't want to play for, for San Diego, that yeah, he yep. wants to go to a, a couple of different franchises. So... There were there was two other big quarterbacks in that in that draft class. There was of course Philip Rivers, but there was also Ben Roethlisberger, who famously has won Super Bowl titles with uh, with Pittsburgh Steelers. So yeah. after being uh, what the GM of the New York Giants did, they had pick number four. They heard that San Diego liked Philip Rivers. So they drafted Philip Rivers at number four ahead of Ben Roethlisberger, and then the trade took place uh, on draft night. Eli Manning um, traded from San Diego Chargers to New York Giants, and vice versa. Philip Rivers from New York Giants to San Diego Chargers. Both of them uh, potential future Hall of Famers. Eli Manning two Super Bowl titles with New York Giants. Philip Rivers holds every record for. Uh, San Diego Chargers in terms of quarterbacks. So that was huge to happen at the time, um, especially on as big a stage as, as draft night is in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Um, and then, yeah, what, what do you reckon? Any other ones that, that sort of... Yeah, um, would, you, you well, I, guess, I guess back to back to soccer and you know, the whole Man United got me thinking, you know, when, when Beckham made his move back in uh, yes. 2000 and, 2002, 2003, I think it was. Um, yeah. When he left, you know, he left the red and black and went across to Spain and went to Real Madrid. And I guess he, you know, in a way, he carved a path for for English players getting out of the EPL and heading across to Spain. Yeah, you think um, Gareth Bale made that same move? Michael Owen eventually went. Yeah, yeah, and then before he then went on to LA Galaxy and potted around the states, living a good life. Well, it makes you wonder: is is you know Ronaldo back to United, Beckham now owns his own club into Miami. Could could Ronaldo end up playing for Inter Miami in a couple of years' time? <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if he goes across for a year or two for some good coin and and sets himself up on an island off Miami. Jeez, it sounds good though, doesn't it? Yeah, you wouldn't blame him. One day. One day. You wouldn't. Oh, it'd be nice. Feel free. Feel free to throw an island at me. I'll gladly accept. Yeah. I'll happily. I'll happily banish you to an island as well, mate. I'll take banishment to an island. I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy boy, time. It is time. Our favourite segment each week. What is the crack? 
Ooh, okay, hang on. Let's see if I can get canned close to the microphone. Oh, ah, yeah. Good noise, good, isn't mate. it? That it's a good noise. Good. What have you got today, mate? What's, uh, what's All right, the, the crack today is it's a little bit different. Uh, I've gone a different avenue. We've gone for the Heaps Normal Quiet XPA, which is uh, which is made by the ex- Young Henry's crew from New South Wales. Uh, it is a non-alcoholic. You did hear that, right? It is a non-alcoholic beer. Non-alcoholic. Yeah, right. Which is which makes me feel a lot better for drinking it at ten thirty-six in the morning on a Saturday. Uh, <laughs> gone, gone are the days of me waking up at ten o'clock and getting ready for a huge day ahead by cracking open a shower beer. No, non-alcoholic beer, very refreshing. Are you, are you at least going to uh, drink it through a shoe or what? No, I'm going to drink it out of the can like the responsible adult that I am. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed, Sam. You have changed. I have. I've changed for the better. Uh, so <laughs> it says on it says on the can, it says too good to be wasted, which I really like, and it's got no downsides. I know, again, I agree. <laughs> so besides relating it to yourself, Sam, who do you, uh, who, who, who do you, who do you think it relates to? Uh, well, it's very, uh, obviously, a quiet XPA. Um you know, no, no over-the-top flair to it. Uh, you know, shies away from the spotlight and the attention. Uh, so I'm going to say that it's a it's a Bashahooli type. Bashahooli uh, goes about its work. Very successful, uh, strong-willed, marches to the beat of its own drum, and and I think that's who I'm going to go with. So Bashahooli beer, um, obviously no alcohol beer as well. So it sort of lines up as well. Don't want to. Do it go against uh, Bash's <laughs> Bash's own cultural views? That's completely completely a okay. So that's the one I'm going with. No awesome. alcoholic, heaps normal, quiet XBA. Uh, so that's the crack yeah. today, mate. Well, cheers, man. <sighs> cheers to you. Jesse, the end of August. It's a great time. The days are getting longer. The sun comes out, and we get into. The gritty part of the AFL season. It is finals time. We started finals off last time, baby. Night. We started off last night with the uh, inappropriately named second qualifying final, which was the first played qualifying final. That just bugs me. Um, uh, classic. We started off last night with Port hosting Geelong at the Adelaide Oval. But why don't you give us a bit of a rundown and take us through the uh, the end of the AFL season and, and leading into the finals time? What do you got for us? Yeah, mate. Well, I guess well, I guess a good place to start is um is the All Australian team, which got announced this week. Yeah. Um, which you know comes from a good panel of judges there, all, most uh, all ex players and uh, a lot of good knowledge there. Um, good to know that Gil McLaughlin is a non-voting member. I'm very glad to hear that he does not have <laughs> voting rights. Yeah. <laughs> what does he do? He just sits there and provides refreshments. Hopefully. <laughs> I, I wonder how many cases of beer they go through while they're trying to decide. Oh, probably less in COVID times than normal if they're all sitting in a room. Yeah, 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 true. Um, and I think overall this year was a, was a, was a pretty good selection. Uh, I think we you know we did a little mock up one uh, earlier on in the week, and we actually came pretty close to how it, uh, how it ended up. Um, yeah, I think we we were, we were actually I was surprised to see how well we did because of how well it lines up. Yeah, like the back line, we we you know, we had five five from six there with. You know, Bailey Dale sneaking in there, and you know we we you know, we, we probably had Weedering in there instead. Hundred um, percent, yeah, Bailey Dale getting uh, selected, but you know we just both thought that Weedering was probably a better selection and a better fit. 
Um, yeah. Coming in through the midfield, you know, you got that's a, such a truck of a midfield there with Gorn, McRae, Oliver, Welsh, Wines, Merritt. Um, Jeez, you know, it sounds good when had, you reel it off like that, doesn't it? Does imagine that if you had that as your starting lineup, you'd be going nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, and mate, like this, you know, you, you can't fault that. That is a cracker of a midfield. Um, the only one problem, you know, stiff from starting might be Jack Steele. Um, you know, and I guess you're probably a bit salty about that. Oh, two years in a row, the bloke's been picked on the bench. Just give him a run. <laughs> well, once the Saints start winning a few more games, maybe he might get a run on the All Australian team. Yeah, explain to me why Sam Walsh is on the ground then. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true, mate. No, 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 no. I'm okay with it. Great to see Steele picked again. He had an unreal year. Uh, I think he'll go top top three in the brown line, I reckon. I said top two last week. I found another look. I reckon he's top three. <laughs> top three? Sure you want to take that down top five? Oh, he might win it. <laughs> oh, here we go. What's he paying? Should I chuck five bucks on him, mate? Uh, I've got money. I put money on him at the start of the season, so I've got money on him at 15 bucks. so I'm happy. Hey, lovely. That's gonna, it's going to be hard to beat the bot, though. Oh, yeah. Bon, uh, Clayton Oliver, yeah, Ollie Wines. I think it could be a really interesting count, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. And at least, at least Steele's got you know he's in a good position where he doesn't have any good players in his team, so no one's going to be stealing votes for him. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly Whereas, why he's yeah. going to go close. That's yeah. why. Petra- that's why. Yeah. That's why I think Petrarch is going to take too many votes off Oliver. Yeah, um, McRae was stealing from Bond. McRae, Bruce kicked a bag of 10. Norton had a good year. You've got guys like, as I said, Bailey Dale that had a really good year. So Caleb Daniel off the back line as well. So I think, yeah. And then you've got Bokel. Bokel takes some votes away from Ollie Wines. Uh, yeah. So you never know. Never know. Never know, mate. Never know. Um, maybe, maybe we'll have a little wager, see if uh, Merritt or, or Steele will get higher, mate. That'll that'll be a pre, pre-Brownlow pre medal uh, podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Uh, rolling in forward to the the forwards, you know, the Bont, Hawkins, Petrarca, Green, uh, Harry McKay, and and Papley. You know, we were pretty similar to that. I guess you know, putting Petrarca and the Bont up in the forward there, you know, just kind of helps slot in a couple of extra midfielders. Um, I'm okay, I'm okay with that because they both kick a lot of goals. They both go forward. Yeah, and they both go forward, and it allows the team to be quite midfield driven. Um, which I, I think, think, it, I think it's also that it's, it, I think it also becomes X factor driven as well. It, it, it's yeah. players that, that actually are the ones that you, you sit down and watch games of footy to watch these guys go about their work and Bond and Pelly Petrarca are certainly two players that, that I sit down to watch. Yeah. Well, speaking of X factor, I think the big, uh, Jakey Stringer, the package, yeah, we, we both had him in the team and everything was probably stiff. Uh, I guess probably, you know, Papley's probably taken that spot over him. Um, and you know, all credit to Papley, he's a great player as well. Uh, I'd probably say maybe it's just a you know, maybe it's just Stringer's inconsistency that probably lets him lets him a little bit down on that selection there. Um, but I think he, he was yeah. pretty close. Oh, look, great, great that he got got nominated in the in the 40. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think he's stiff. I, I wonder if maybe a lot of the, the talk about the package and about the contract situation added to it but at the same time for him to perform in some of the games he did around that contract negotiation period and, and the way he just put the team on his back at times he had, he had a really good year and and particularly big for him coming in against his old side in in the finals this week um sort of massive the, the resurgence of his career it's going to be really interesting to watch 
Um, can I ask you, though, your thoughts on, and this, this happens every year, and we just mentioned it with the half-forwards, players out of position in uh, yeah. in all Australian sides. So, okay, yep, as we said, we're okay with Bont Petrarca going forward. But what about the wings? So there's no genuine wingman in that side. No, no, no general wings, no. So yeah. you, you got McCl- you got McCluggage and you've got Seedsman that genuinely play on the wing and uh, had exceptional years. Are they hard done by not to be in that side? I think so. I, I think I think it is a bit stiff. Um, but then you 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 know you look at the guys who are in there replacing them, and they are and they're absolute jets as well. So I think I think it's just a stance that they've started to take, and you know, they've probably put less I guess less demand on on having genuine wingers and more just going for. For all-round ball getters, yeah, and it's 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 understandable. And and don't get me wrong, I think these players that you know play on the inside, they could absolutely move to the outside and play through the wing. But uh, I think it is a little bit harsh on these guys that that ply their craft all year long out there, and then they get to all Australia selection, and yep, they get a nominee, but they don't uh, or a nomination, sorry, but then they you know they don't win the jacket and and win. Selection as a as an All Australian, which is a it's it's something that go down. Yeah, we, every week we look at coverage of footy games and and these guys that are commentating. The first byline you get is you know six time All Australian, four time All Australian, and then you will add in Premiership player and and, and Brownlow medalist. Or, so yeah, I, I think it's something that needs to be looked at because uh, I, I think Paul Seedsman, Hugh McCluggage definitely could consider themselves stiff as well. Yeah. I'm with you there, mate. I'm with you there. Um, and then coming off the bench, mate, we had with Parrish, Nick Nat, took Miller and Steele, which I think we're both pretty happy with. Again, you yeah. know, Nick Nat's an easy shoe in for that spot. And, you know, they, they are filling those three bench slots with, with midfielders. So I guess they're not they're not really applying any, any room for a, you know, a spare back or a spare forward, as you traditionally would for a bench. Yeah, again, I think Jacob Weedering's stiff. I think he's really stiff. Yeah, um, real That is that is what it is. What about the captain, mate? Max Gorn selected as captain. What do you think? Yeah, I like him, man. I like him. Yeah, he's he's real coming to his shoes out of Melbourne now. And you know, he kicked the kicked the goal after the siren last week. And you know, I think he's he's a great leader, and a lot of the Melbourne boys look up to him. Um, I think. All, I all actually sometimes him. I sometimes think that I'm talking to Max Gorn when we do these podcast recordings, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Yeah, we've been we've been known to look a little bit alike. Um, we might we might jump on a halftime orange Instagram page soon, just so that any listeners that don't know us, which I don't think there are any currently, but any listeners that don't know us can just see the striking resemblance between Jesse Gasly and Max Gorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's probably just got a foot on my uh, my height there, mate. Yeah, I think he's got a that, better that's, right that's foot probably, too. Yeah, that's probably no, 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 no. That's the only difference is the height, mate. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Besides that, we may as well be we may as well be twins. Yeah, or maybe I should start doing it. Maybe I should start just trying to find Maxi Gorn and just start calling him Jesse and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, wouldn't wouldn't be the first one, but the last. Yeah, but no, all in all, very a very I think it's a pretty good all Australian side as is, as it is every year. Um, but yeah, the end end of the season does bring about the end of, of some really great careers. We obviously touched on Eddie Betts last week. Uh, we we did leave a couple of guys out, one in particular um, being Sean Burgoyne. Yeah, massive. Which, uh, Huge career. Apo- apologies to Silk. I was very lucky to... I was actually at the, the Hawthorne Port Adelaide game for his 400th. 
which was incredible to to see this, everything pre and post game and, and the career he had, uh, 407 games across the Hawks and the Power, 302 goals, 35 finals games, four premierships. It's an unbelievable career. Um, one that I don't think will, it'll, it'll take some serious work to for another player to get to that 400 game mark we're seeing. Just how difficult it is. What was six six players? Is that what we're at? Would have uh, uh, yeah, I think so. or is six, it five? Yeah, five or six. Five. Yeah, one of the two. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially you know uh, with the amount of like amount of injuries that are happening in the modern game and that sort of stuff. It's you do it, you know a lot of players aren't getting that high anymore. Yeah. So uh, incredible career from Silk. Um, the other big news, end of season news, was obviously on. Uh, the big Carlton review, Jesse. What do you got yeah. for us regarding the Carlton review? The big blue baggers, mate. They definitely uh, know how to make the news for all the wrong reasons. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we've sort of got a slightly differing opinion on this as well, I think. But I think um, I think David T getting the sack was was pretty stiff. Um, you know, the, the board came out in June and said they were doing a thorough review of everything to do with the club. And it wasn't about the coach. And then, uh, you know, season finishes, they do the exit views on Monday. And then Thursday, he's lost his job. Um, and I think it was, I think it was a few people who were quite surprised by it. Um, you know, whether it's Teague and some geez, of the players. I, I, I wasn't. Yeah. I'm surprised, uh, he, I'm surprised it took till Monday. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, I think, I think you know, what's, what, 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 what are they going to do? Like, you know, they've they had Malthouse, Malthouse into you know Barker was sort of helped for the year, and you had Bolton into Teague. No one's really settled in and, and really given it a good crack. Um, I, I don't I don't think changing the coach is just going to fix all their issues overnight, and they they seem no, to yeah. think that putting a new coach in will fix that. Um, and it's like the age old thing, you know, you, you never quit a job until you've got a job lined up. In this case, you know, you you wouldn't you shouldn't really fire a coach until you've got someone else lined up. Who you think is going to fit in, you know? And they're probably hopeful Clarkson was going to was going to take around it, would turn around and take it, you know. But he came out this week and you know explicitly said he's taken the year off for for his own personal development and ruled himself out of that. Um. So then you, I guess, you look over to Ross Lyon now for taking over that. Well, that's the that's the they've got to be holding out hope for Ross Lyon at this point, and I wonder how much that the whole you know, circle and, and almost circus at times of, of these coaching positions changing has affected that, that brings Ross Lyon's name around again and can't think, can we get Ross Lyon? For what it's worth, I completely agree with you. I think the, the process that Carlton are going through, just reeling through coaches one after the other, is just ridiculous. Um, you, you're not going to have any success, particularly for a club that's been poor for as long as they have. Uh, they've spent so much money on this review They've yeah. got, and, and but the crux of it comes down to you're not winning games of football, and every single respected AFL journalist had, I think, nearly every single one of them, bar a couple, had Carlton in the eight this year. Yeah, with the list they've got, you know, you've got Mackay, Wiedering, Cripps, Walsh, brought in Saad, Kerno. Yeah, the Kerno brothers. Like, yeah, there's, there's a big massive list. It, it's it's an unbelievable list, and they they certainly you know have a little bit of bad luck, particularly you know, Sam Doherty, as we mentioned last week, is a real shame. But there comes a point where okay, you're not delivering, and you've got the list to deliver. So what's going on? And then the question comes: Is it the players, 
or is it the coach or is it a combination? Yeah. And the, the, the question that we'll never know the answer to is, are the players playing for David Teague or not? And, and that's what it comes down to. You, as, a, as, a, as a head coach of any organisation, your sole responsibility is to motivate players to perform at their very best and to win games. It isn't about it isn't about all Australian nominees. It isn't about any of that. It is simply about winning. And Carlton, for a very long time, have not been winning. So there is a deep rooted culture issue at that football club. And yeah, I would love to. I would love everything in that report to come out wider to the media so that we can have a read of it. And I think it will be released potentially. Um, yeah, but do, we can do, find. Do you think it's a bit of a harsh time to judge them, considering? You know, last year and you know, to a degree this year has been so heavily impacted, you know, with COVID nineteen and, and players been thrown all around the country and I know everyone's obviously in the same boat. Um, but do you think it's a bit harsh to judge a coach on those seasons? Uh, I don't think it's harsh to judge them on the season. I think it's harsh to take such drastic action. Yeah. I, I, well, I yeah, think yeah, the yeah, judgment, yeah. That, that's a better I think way the judgments I think the judgment's fair. I think the the response yeah. the response is the response, and, and that's, yeah, I, I don't know, David T. I don't know enough about the Carlton Footy Club um, to have a clear-cut view on whether he was the right man for the job or not. Some I can tell you firsthand that, that there are people that are better suited to being assistant coaches because it's a complete different role. Yeah. But that said, the, the matter still stands. I think the issue is inside the four walls of the Carlton Football Club. It is not the issue is not the coach, the issue is not the players. Their list is incredible. So yeah. and, and David Teague was good enough to get the job in the first place. So yeah. to to give him the boot after two years when, you know, as was documented, he had a better winning record. And yeah, he probably had a better list at the time, but he had a better winning record in his first two seasons than what Clarko had with the Hawks and what Dimmer Hardwick had with the Tigers. So yeah. They are both great examples of if you give a coach the chance to build these relationships, which takes more than two years to do, that yeah. that success can come. Correct, and yeah, it's great. I'm glad you brought out Dimmer. Like you know, he he took over Richmond in 2010, and you know they went through some massive ups and downs, and you know quite some notable lows, and you know people were getting pretty annoyed. And you know you look at the 2016 list where they where they finished 13th, and they had all their star players that are currently there now. They were all on that list at the time. In 2016, yeah. and they finished 13th, and then they rolled in the next year, and everything all of a sudden just clicked into place. Everything they've been working and striving for for, for all, you know six, seven years, it all clicked in, and you know, look, lo and behold, they're an absolute powerhouse over the last five years. Um, it's, all, it's almost like the Carlton board are like a kid that really wants a toy but won't wait till Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great way to. Put but it, like, ev- but like every, but like every year that. Every year they're like premiership, premiership, and everyone else is going chill the fuck out, make the eight, make the eight, make the eight, and they just won't do it. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know you're right. He does need to be judged for not making the eight this year, which is which is stiff. But I think there need to be. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be judged. The whole club needs to be judged. Oh, needs to be, yeah, correct. And, and I think there just need to be a bit more time in there, and you know, give give him another year or two. Um, like you keep him for another year, and then if you don't still don't like him, then you pick up Clarko. But yeah, you know, that's that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, because now they're in a position where they'll still be thinking they can get Clarker. Hundred percent, they'll be thinking, yeah. right, we'll put somebody in this caretaker for a year, and then we'll get Clarker. And then they just waste a whole other year, and then you know the yeah. players lose motivation. You know, all of a sudden, a couple of the boys start wanting to leave, not wanting to play. Like, 
It's just the must the culture. And we spoke about it last week about the culture of clubs and, and dynasties and winning clubs. And it's just evidently not at Carlton. No, absolutely not. And you know what? As a, as a football fan, as a St. Kilda supporter, particularly for you as an Essen supporter, fuck, it's funny to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is great to watch, mate. But it is a shame. Fortunate. But it's great. Uh, well, that's probably enough of Carlton, mate. What are you moving forward? Um, you know, what about the finals? We've got you know, first game last night, as you mentioned, with, with Pork getting up over Geelong, which was massive. First game first game was a disappointment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Geelong won't Port, be very happy with that. Port played well. Geelong were horrific. Yeah. And that is that is being nice. The They won the centre ball and they kicked it just for the first quarter, they Horrible. kicked it straight to Aaliyah and they did yeah. that in the third quarter as well. Um, yeah. Their defensive, their, their offensive pressure without the ball was was terrible. There was no structure. The Port just got through the middle with ease um, and it could have been a lot higher. The scoring, it could have been a much bigger margin than it was. I think the Cats are really missing Stewart. Um, There's a huge out for them. Even yep. with Mitch Duncan, Mitch Duncan had heaps of the footy last night. Even with him coming back in, they've still been absolutely pumped. Um, so, you know, they'll get the second chance. And, and look, knowing that Geelong side and, and that group, they could still absolutely go really deep. Um, but yeah, exactly. not the start they would have wanted. But great start for Port Adelaide. But that takes yeah, us today, mate. Super Saturday of sport. What do you? What do you got? What do so? Are we going to do, like we said, are we going to do like the How I Met Your Mother, big board, big luck, big bracket? Big board, yeah. Big board, big luck, big bracket. That's it, mate. Well, let's, um, look at the bracket here. Why don't we just power through it and let's, um, let's see who we end up with in the final. Well, I'm, I'm, effect- I'm effectively out of the bracket because I picked Geelong to win last night, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> well, we'll power through and we'll see. We'll, we'll pick a winner out of all of that and we'll put 10 bucks on it. How's that sound? I love it. Let's do it. So, well, we got. You know, we had Port Geelong, so we got Port making through to the prelim. Uh, Sydney Giants, who have you got? Dang, Sydney uh, I've got Sydney. Uh, the only thing for me, Mumford back in for the Giants. Huge. Their rec- their record, month. their record when Mumford plays this year is I think twelve wins for four losses. Yeah. Um, so huge record when Mumford's back in, but I think the Swans are just going to be a little bit too good for the Giants. Yeah, a bit too classy. What about Demons, Demons, Lions? Oh, a tough one, but uh, yeah, a little part of me thinks the Ds might have played their grand final last week, but I'm still going to go with the Ds today. You? Yeah, I'm the same there, mate. I think the Ds will be too strong, and you know, I think May and May and Lever will back down back there. We'll, we'll be all over down at her like a rash. Um, yeah. Down um, here yeah. and Cameron need to probably kick Cameron. seven between them. That yeah. would be a chance. Yeah, exactly right. And you look at McDonald and Bailey, Fritz and uh, and Ben Brown for the Demons. They're just looking, as much as it pains me to say, they're looking a bit too strong for them. I'm I, think Petrarca's, I think Petrarca's going to stand up in the finals too. Yeah. And Oliver will get lots of leather. Loves it. Yeah. Um, all right, of course, we've got Melbourne winning there. What about the big game? Big game on Sunday. Oh, Arvo, I know. Well, let's let's get your let's get your thoughts on the big Sunday Arvo game. So the Bulldogs and the your mob, the Bombers, oh, mate, down in uh, down in Tasmania, down in Tassie, which is yeah, that could be that could go anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, you look back a couple of weeks ago, and the, and the Bombers did the job against the Doggies and and did it well. Yeah. You know, they highlighted yeah. 
some parts of the doggies that were lacking and, and really pounced on them. Um, mm. you know, but going, you know, saying that going into this game today, I think the, the, the doggies will be all over that as well. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm always going to take the Bombers, uh, with a little win, one to 39, I reckon, but I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be a, a real cracker of a match. Yeah, that's this will be the first one that we uh that we disagree on. I I'm gonna just down in Tassie, I think the handball game of the Hawk uh, sorry for the Hawks, the handball game of the, the Bulldogs, um, the way they move the footy, I think is just gonna be a little bit too good. I think unfortunately the bombers are gonna continue the streak of days without a finals win. But I'm gonna be guided by I'm gonna be guided by you on this. I'm not gonna force you to Put a bracket in against your mob, so we'll take the bombers. Good mate, good. That was I wasn't really asking you for your opinion. I was just uh, <laughs> just out of a courtesy. Excellent, good. All righty, mate. So that takes us to next week where we'd have the bombers versus the lions. What do you what do you reckon? Jeez, oh, where's it going to be played? Um, well, do they do they head to Perth soon? I think I think they're all flying into Perth. Yeah. Potentially, look if yeah. if the bombers bombers versus the lions, geez, that's a genuine coin toss for me. If the if the bombers are able to get up this week, um, I'm gonna take. I'll take. I'll take the bombers. Bombers, good boy, good man. Bombers going through lines out in the straight sets, bang bang. Unlucky and then quarters uh, there, but hopefully they can bounce back next week. Next and year. then it would be what Geelong. Uh, Geelong, Geelong and Giants. Sydney. Oh, Geelong, Sydney. Sorry, yeah, Geelong, Sydney. Geelong, so we took Sydney, didn't we? Yeah, Geelong, Sydney. Yeah, Geelong, Sydney. Gee, that's tough. Uh, that, that'd be a crack of a game. Either team under fifteen points. Nah, I'll take Geelong there. Take Geelong. I think Geelong. I think there's no way they're going to play as badly as they did last night. Yeah. No. Yeah. No they're, they're too. They're too good a club. Yeah. So it takes us across the board here. We got Geelong versus Demons. Prelim final. Prelim final. Over in, in WA. WA. Yeah. Uh, look. I'd love to say Geelong, but geez, I, I think Melbourne are looking pretty good. Oh, I'd love to say Geelong as well, more because I don't like the Melbourne footy club as much. But uh, on last night, look, it's hard to say. If I'm saying that they're going to bounce back the way that, they, that I think they will next week, a part of me thinks Geelong. I just don't – I don't think – the demons are going to be able to stretch another four or three weeks of footy. I don't think yeah. they are. Yeah. So you want to? I'll take demons. So coin toss. Well, I you know we, we took with me in the last one, so we'll go with you on this one. So we'll take the, we'll take the catters. Terrific. So we've got the cats going in the final there, and then on the other side of the bracket, we've got the bombers come up against Port Power. Port. Sorry. Port. <laughs> Port. Yeah, check all. I'll take I'll give you that one, mate. I'll give you we'll that give one. Give you two two finals wins a great a great start for you guys. Not one a final in over six thousand <laughs> days. We'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Turn it up, champ. Uh so you, <laughs> then you end up with Melbourne oh, sorry. Geelong Power Final. There we go. Mm. Geelong Power Final at Perth Stadium. Uh I, I've got Geelong. Geelong, the return. Yeah. I can't, I've battled Geelong for the way they played last night. And for whatever reason, I still think they're going to win the flag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. We've got uh, Zach, so we... Zach, Tui, Zach Tui coming back next week. 
Port play a completely different brand of footy at home than they do on the road. And I don't think that Port Adelaide can beat a side like Geelong or a side like Melbourne, if it is Melbourne, that get there in the, at WA. Yeah. Yeah, fair. So we've got Port versus you know, Geelong or maybe Demons in the final. But taking Geelong for the win. Geelong for the flag, huh? It's Geelong over Port Adelaide. For the Exacta Premiership, which we will, yeah, as you said, we'll throw 10 bucks on that and we'll see how that plots out. But, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure looking back on that. I think we could, I think, <laughs> I think I might have done us in there. I think I might have done us a disservice. I reckon you've done us in there, mate. But let's know. We'll see how it goes. See how it plays out. Big board, big luck, mate. Big board, big luck. What did we say, Jess? We said last week we loved it. We loved the selections and the selections were good. Put your money where your mouth is. The big winners last week. There we $181, go, $181.26 win. Cooper Sharman, we picked him to kick two plus goals. He kicked four. He was unbelievably good with that space down forward. Um, the Bombers, they threatened to blow out the Pies, but... Fortunately, just kept that margin, 39 points or below for us. And then, of course, Eddie Betts kicked two. It was always going to happen. Um, so always. Big win. We are up $236.26 through three weeks. We are absolutely flying. Let's get straight into today, mate. What's your selection for put your money where your mouth is this week? Oh, mate, coming into the finals, mate. Hard to pass up. Uh, Clayton Oliver. Coming up for Demons against the Lions. Now, we touched on it. We said we said the Demons are going to touch up the Lions there. And I reckon, yep. you know, one of their, you know, Petrarca and Oliver, both are going to stand out there. But I reckon Oliver's going to easily pit that uh, and uh, and take out probably 35-plus touches. Um, so, let's jump on Clayton Oliver, most touches, $2.50 against the Lions. Brilliant. I love what it. What about you, mate? What about it. you? I'm going a little bit different. We, uh, we put this on last night uh, before... It started so Clayton Oliver at 250. I've gone to the Gulf, I've gone to the BMW Championships, the uh, the last stop before the FedEx Cup playoffs. Roy McElroy was tied for the lead after round one. He's currently ranked number 28 in the FedEx Cup rankings, needs to be inside of the top 30 to get to the playoffs, the tour championship. Um, had a great first round, so I took him uh, in play to finish in the top five after the fourth round at two dollars, which was great value. He's um He's dropped back a little bit overnight, currently tied for seventh. Uh, but, you know, we've still got two days to go, big moving day tomorrow, and I think Rory is uh, going to peak at the right time of the year. So, McElroy, top five for me. Yeah, cool. Awesome, mate. Um, and then you, uh, I think you took the lead on, on this one for the, the double selection to add us up. Yeah, well, back up, well. Back, up to the, back up to the city with the league, mate. We've got a few, you know, second last games of the season. Uh, and there's going to be a few... Few of the top teams versus a few of the mid teams this week, so there's going to be a couple of big blowouts, I reckon. Um, but I think we've, we've taken Storm versus Eels. Uh, we actually haven't taken. I don't, I don't think the value's there for Storm on the win. You know, they're paying a no, dollar seven no or something and a dollar thirteen with their plus uh, plus twelve or something, so it wasn't really worth it. So we've just taken over forty nine point five points, a dollar ninety there. I reckon Storm will, you know, put through probably forty five of those, and Eels might get a try through over the line and kick that up to a 
you know, 55, 60 point game. Yeah, and that'll be the that's for the storm to to break now. They they tied that Roosters record um, last Can't week. I record. actually listening listening back to the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I, I incorrectly or I actually you know prof maybe a prophecy of such. I predicted that uh, <laughs> the storm would would beat the uh, Gold Coast, uh, but I did get my my weeks and number of wins mixed up. So that's for storm to hold the uh, all time. Sound like you to get mixed up, Matt. Oh, no, just I'm, I am a prophecy holder. Prophecy too many prophecies in the mornings for you. Obviously, there's a trend going on. Uh, I can drive as many cars as I want. Zero percent alcohol. We're all good. <laughs> so, no, I love yeah, it. Yeah, lucky the alcohol that fix your driving. <laughs> so that gives us... Uh, so we're 20 bucks on Clayton Oliver, most touches, group one against the Lions. 20 bucks, Rory McIlroy, top five at the BMW Championship. And then... A ten dollar three leg multi, adding in the Storm and Eels over forty nine and a half points. Thanks to our friends at uh, Sportsbet, we've had that multi boosted from nine fifty to ten sixty three. Not sponsored. Uh, so ten bucks at ten sixty three. Hopefully, the winning tradition continues. And this would, uh, if all three come in this week, mate, we'll send us over the the four hundred dollar mark inside four weeks, which is uh, bing, bing, bing. It's pretty good. It's pretty good pretty going, big, mate. Pretty good going. Oh, let's just, let's keep it going. Sam, Sam, Sam. You told me at the start of this you wanted to you wanted to have a four for a for a little bit here, mate. So I'm happy to hand this one over to you. Uh what have you got for us, mate? Yeah, I'm cautious of talking too much because I have it has been reviewed to us from a couple of friends that I, I do talk a little bit too much on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> making before, mate. Making attempts to try and level the playing field out. But um like some news came through this week regarding the ECB and, you know, as a, as a cricket coach and as a, a cricket fan, I never I want to miss an opportunity to, fan, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, ne- I never want to miss an opportunity to absolutely pot the ECB because it's a lot of fun, especially leading into an Ashes. So uh, this is actually aimed though at the ECB board. So it was released this week that the ECB board were paid out 2.1 million pounds in bonuses which was, as everyone knows, is related to the 100 competition, which I'll get to that. Now, the players last year took a 15% pay cut and 62 staff members at the ECB were made redundant, which is 20% of their workforce. Now, the ECB chairman um, came out and said the executives were among the first to voluntarily take a pay cut, but the chief executive took a 17% pay increase the year before. So, nah, doesn't really add up if you ask me. But as for an organisation, to cut your players' funding, which is, that's your brand, I'm sorry, the blokes sitting behind desks in nice suits driving Rolls Royces and Jaguars into their offices. They're not the blokes taking the field and actually producing the product. So to, to give them a pay cut, to lay off 62 staff members, and then to hand out 2.1 million pounds in bonuses is fucking disgraceful and they should be absolutely ashamed. And they're all they were going to sit in there, mate, and they're going to pat their backs about how good the 100 was. The 100 was a joke. It's a gimmick, okay? call Everyone needs to call it what it is. They tried to turn baseball into cricket and it was ridiculous. All they needed to do was call it a franchise T20 comp and everyone would have been on board. Every cricket purist would have been on board. But they made a mockery of the game by trying to change it and differ the product. Yeah, it got paid more people into the game. Who gives a shit? It doesn't add up. 
you're dealing with an already already plateaued out talent pool. And meanwhile, at the same time, you had one day cricket going on and test cricket going on inside your country, playing three formats of the game. And Australia aren't immune to this sort of shit. We do it as well. But the ECB need to have a serious, serious look at themselves for what they're doing and how they're actually going to reward the players who they need. Because the players will be the first one that cops shit when they come out to Australia and get beat 3-1 in the Ashes this summer. So I'm just utterly appalled to to see executives again taking liberties over hardworking people, over athletes that deserve the credit. Um, one, The one thing I will talk about, a couple of good stories out of the 100, if there are any, was the, 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 the women's competition in the 100 was brilliant. It actually gave those players a platform to be on a massive stage and be treated as equals, which they absolutely should be. Um, a big shout out to the Oval Invincibles uh, for winning the women's 100 competition. Um, the Southern Brave won the men's competition, but the Oval Invincibles led by um, South Africa, Dane Van Nierke and Marazan Cap and Shabnin Ismail, um, as well as obviously some of the uh, the England girls through that list too. Tash Farron, Fran Wilson. Uh, were, were successful in winning the tournament, which is fantastic. I think the brand of cricket for the 100 inside the women's game was great, and that's um, now becoming an option, a viable option, as the WBBL is in Australia. But ECB, have a look at yourselves, because you're going to get pumped this summer, and then you're going to look like fucking idiots again. End of rant. End of rant. You told them, mate. You absolutely told them. Look, it's mate, it's a frustrating one because there's so many issues in sport, and but again, another it's just another example of money going to the wrong the wrong people, and we've seen it in Australia, and there's been the issues um, with with the ACA and in, in cricket Australia and everything that they were going through about the the pay situation here, and that was eventually resolved. Um, but you know, you're yeah, you're a pseudo cricket fan, let's call it. Yeah, you're you're a fan of you're a fan of all sports. Let's talk about Australian cricket, though, particularly the Big Bash. So, because that's, I'm assuming that'd be the most cricket you watch. Yeah, yeah, man, Big Bash, and oh, I do like a good uh, watching some Test cricket. Um, my my favourite day in Test cricket is Boxing Day, though, mate. And that's the day where I, where I watch one one ball, and that's it. First ball that's of the a, day, and then you just see the inside of the concrete walls of the beautiful MCG Stadium. Yes, and that's uh, we, we can leave that for another day. But do <laughs> yeah. you watching the the Big Bash? Have you found yourself watching less of the Big Bash, particularly in the last couple of years? One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a yeah. few years around when you know back when oh, I mean, you know, and it was like you know, like David Warner came out and gave him a platform to sort of launch onto the Australian scene. That was good, and I think it was a few good years in there. But the last couple of years have definitely been a lot less interest going around and. You know, but play at Marvel Stadium, there'll only be 10, 15,000 people there. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and this, this is, is all part of the problem, and, and it links to what's going on with the ECB. It's all about money. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. I'm realistic. I know that we live in this capitalist world and money, money makes it go around. But the, the knock on effect that these tournaments are having on Test cricket. Is and and to an extent, not as much, but still to an extent, the one day cricket. But also the if we take it down a peg and go to first class cricket, 
and in terms of developing the next generation of test cricketers, the effect it's having is massive. It, 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 we look at Australia last year, Joe Burns is out of form, gets dropped from the test side. What do we do? We send him back to the Brisbane Heat to go play T20 cricket. How the fuck's yeah. that going to help? Yeah, I can yeah, tell you, I can tell you point blank, it isn't going to help. There's absolutely no no way it's going to help him at all. Yeah, he'll get to go out and he'll play some cricket and have a bit of success because he's playing at a lower level. But it's not actually going to help these guys with their with their game. So, yeah, I think the the scheduling the, these tournaments they go on for too long. The Big Bash in particular, there's far too many games in the Big Bash now. Um, is is it a lot longer go- now than it when it was when it started as well? Is that right? Oh, 100 percent. They've extended the number of matches that each team plays, and it drags on and on and on. It goes for more than two months. It's it's. It is ridiculous, and it's because they want to do it right in the peak of summer. They want to start it before the school holidays. They want it to run beyond the school holidays so they can get as much interest as possible and make as much money as possible. But that doesn't mean that the product is actually improving. The product is getting worse. Yeah, we need yeah, yeah. we need to find a way with the Big Bash to actually attract the best players in the world. We need to get Indian players somehow into the Big Bash and, and that will 100% improve the product because the IPL is still by far and away the best T20 product in, in the world to watch. But more so, why is the IPL so successful? Typically in non-COVID times, it occurs when there is no test cricket going on. It allows their players to focus solely on T20 cricket and then when it's finished, they get to focus and work on their on their test game and on the purest form of the game. So. I think that's certainly something that, that we need to look into here. And I don't, I don't have the answers, but I'm also not paid to have the answers. So the guys <laughs> inside, the guys and girls inside CA, that's what their job should be. Yeah, correct. Man. I'm with you there. I think uh, reducing it to a four to six week tournament, making it short and sharp, a bit more money to the, like, straight to the players, get the bigger boys and boy involved, and the product will start improving itself. 100%, mate. 100%. But... That's uh, look, that's plenty of, of me ranting today. We don't need any more of that. Yeah. Well, that's probably it, mate. I think that's coming up to the uh, the end of the squeeze for today's juice, mate. Oh, well, you, the, the, uh, the, old, the old full-time on the half-time. The full-time on the half-time orange. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, mate, and I hope everyone's uh, enjoying listening to this and uh, we've covered some good topics today. I look forward to chatting to you next week, mate. And you, mate, I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting a rant from you at some point about something. We'll have to keep an eye on everything and, and no doubt inside the next couple of weeks there'll be some players to throw back in the bin and on the hero board I oh, look forward to it mate I'm uh, getting my broom at the ready <laughs> absolutely mate well have a great day thanks everyone for tuning in it's been a pleasure and uh, we will speak to you next week see you later buddy <laughs>